How's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And tonight we're going back on a journey through time with this pick that TV did. What is it, TV? I picked The Master, uh, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. No way. Yeah, which happens to be our series of movies we're doing. (laughs) I was going to say it fits perfectly in the category. Nice pick. Yeah, how about that? This one's pretty easy. You just got to look at his his filmography and just pick one. Now, what, what is this one, TV? What's it about? Well, according to IMDb, it's about a naval veteran arriving home from war, is unsettled and uncertain of his future. Until he is tantalized by the cause and its charismatic leader. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. Wish I would have known that going in. I knew nothing about this movie. I admittedly did know that going in. <laughs> I also knew that going in. I gotta say, based on the title, I thought this was gonna be some kind of weird psychological thriller. Although, I guess some people might say it is. I don't know. I don't know. Thriller. Is the word I'd use yeah. to describe <laughs> this movie. <laughs> I guess that does, uh, it's just going to be like a common trend there, I guess, before we get into all these, uh, these categories and overviews. It does seem like having now watched a couple movies by this guy, it seems like he loves to subvert expectations. Yep. He does a good job of doing it, too. Both his movies have made me feel very uncomfortable at points. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely, uh, it was, it was weird. I see some similarities with Punch Drunk Love, but yeah, it is also, yeah, one of those. The character is very weird and <laughs> I would say even more unlikable in this than, uh, you know, Punch Drunk Love. He was he was weird, but he was likable. This is like <laughs> he's an outcast, but not likable. <laughs> well, before we get too into it, we're going to give our brief non-spoiler overviews and then we're going to dive into spoilers later. Yep, we'll give you the warning when we're going to move on, so you will know. Unless you already know, and it's buried deep within your past oh, lives. Yeah. <laughs> ah, this process will draw it out. Get rid of that, that pesky, invasive force in your body. <laughs> TV, I think you should go first on your non-spoiler overview. What? Since you picked it, and you can't what blink the? like I'm Blasphemy! The... <laughs> Heretic! I can't remember a time when Terry has gone first. <laughs> oh, I'm God, getting I'm, ahead of it. I'm searching my, my spirit self, and I just can't find any instances of this. This is a first for, for I'm starting, starting a new trend. Non-spoiler overview. Whoever picks it goes ah, first. I see. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> All right, well, I'll do my best. Um, I don't know. I I liked it. I think it was... I was a little, I guess, hesitant at first because, I, like I mentioned earlier, he is not a very likable guy. Um, he's pretty bad, I would even say. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix, the main character, is not a great dude. Um, but you can kind of... I don't know. I still felt myself like empathizing with him. I didn't really, you know, I think he's not a good dude, but I kind of felt bad for him. I could kind of sort of understand where he's coming from sometimes. Um, and I, I thought his journey was actually pretty interesting, even if I didn't like him. And I think the the dynamic between him and Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, the master, um, is very interesting as well. I really, I really like that. So 
yeah, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it quite a bit. I liked the visuals in this movie and the acting. Like, it was superb. Both of those were amazing. But this movie was so uncomfortable, um, and I didn't like the characters really that much at all. Um, it just was not for me. And maybe that's what he wanted to do with it, but I don't know. Like, this was a weird one to watch, I thought. What made you uncomfortable? Just like Freddy, the character. Freddy, like, he's super well played, but he's just so uncomfortable for me to watch, like, two and a half hours of him doing his life making questionable decisions. I was like, mm, yeah, I don't know about that, but everything like technically this movie is a masterpiece i think loved all that stuff i think i understand where you're coming from mike you know this one i actually don't think i was as uncomfortable on this one if you caught our last review of punch drunk love i was pretty uncomfortable with that one uh you know di different kinds of mental issues and traumas focused on but i think his life decisions concerned me a lot more than this guy's i feel a lot like you did tv like you know, like I feel kind of bad for him and I can empathize, but he's also not a great guy, like at a base level either. So like, you don't necessarily pity him, just you're like, ah, oh, that's not great. Sorry you're there, but <laughs> you're gonna have to dig yourself out of this one, bud. So yeah, I feel like I was rooting for the punch drunk love guy and this I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm like hoping he horribly fails, but he's just not as good of a dude, so it's, yeah, not Oh, as, I like, wanted him to get better. I mean, you know, that's what I, I guess what I was hoping for. He probably would have been better off in the cult. Well, you know, and I think that's something interesting to talk about later, I guess. Because, yeah, I don't know. I know I did love this one. Whereas I, I was kind of comfortable with the last one, and it was technically a masterpiece. I just couldn't like it. This one, I loved. You know, I, I told the last episode, I loved Philip Seymour Hoffman. Although I don't necessarily always love Joaquin Phoenix. I feel like he does one thing really well as an actor. And I think this was a good showcase of it, but I've seen it quite a few times now. He's very good at it. Like, I saw a lot of his Joker performance comes from this movie. Or it seemed like it. They're kind of similar characters. I mean, in Joker, he's... Um, I don't know what, what disability he has. Oh, he has the laughing disability, and he's a little, um, he's got some mental disabilities, too. Whereas in this one, he's got severe, like, addiction and nervous problems. So they're, they're, the characters are kind of similar, in a way, um, how they go about stuff. But yeah, he is very good as at, at doing that thing. <laughs> It even kind of rings similar to, um, like, Walk the Line, when he's depicting Johnny Cash in, like, his deepest throes of alcoholism and cocaine addiction. Like, I don't know, that's what he does well, I think, is depict people in the deepest throes of their emotional and mental traumas. Yep, I agree, and that's why it makes me so uncomfortable, I think. <laughs> I saw that they originally had planned to have Jeremy Renner for that role. Really? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I think I could see it. It would be different, but I, I could see where they're coming from with that. I, I'm kind of in the same boat with Mike on this one. Um, a lot of this felt like proto There Will Be Blood. And it, in my opinion, I think There Will Be Blood is like 
a much better version of this type of story. It's not the exact same situation, mind you, but the setup is very similar where there's two people who have they have they have a very adversarial relationship and the whole movie's basically about that. But whereas in There Will Be Blood, it actually has a good plot and uh doesn't really it me it doesn't meander. This movie feels like it's meandering the entire time, which I didn't really care for too much. I loved um all the acting in it. It was great. The movie looks good. Just like Punch Drunk Love, but I I think that one's better looking, better filmed than this one. But yeah, I just think There Will Be Blood does everything this movie does but better. Yeah, I haven't seen There Will Be Blood, but yeah, I, I this one is like I think I talked about this in Punch Drunk Love as well, where it's like there is a more of a plot in Punch Drunk Love, but it kind of feels like a hangout movie in the way that Barry's kind of just wandering around doing his own thing. And I think this is a lot like that too, where it's more just, it's more of like a character thing where we're just following this guy around. There's not really like a solid backbone of a plot. We're just kind of watching this guy live his life and how he reacts to this weird cult situation and stuff. Um, Cause yeah, there's really not like a strong narrative really. It's just him in certain situations and I guess trying to adapt to them or not adapt to them, whatever. It's weird because his like character doesn't really change throughout the whole thing. He stays exactly the same. They try to like put him in there, but I mean, he doesn't do anything different. So it kind of that lack of agency in his character, I think detracts a lot from the story, which I think, that might be part of the plan and why they focus a lot on Philip Seymour Hoffman as well, but they really don't do a ton with that with him either. You know, like I would have expected if they were focusing on him with his cult and everything that it would go through more of like the highlights of the cult's achievements and stuff like that. Um, but it doesn't really do that either. It's just like, yeah, like you said, it's kind of like a hangout movie between <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's interesting. And and like Mike said, too, uh, Phoenix's character is such a, a scumbag. It's like, <laughs> you know? Very cringy. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see him get indoctrinated into the cult because he was so terrible. <laughs> but, you know, it never really happens. And so, like, not a lot really changes or goes on in this. Um, so I was kind of like, that's kind of why I think it, it meanders. So I'll throw out, I guess, I feel like as far as, like, a plot structure goes, I did feel this was one of those stories where somebody else, besides, like, the character we follow, like the narrating character, is the main character. I feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman is the main character of this movie. But like, you know, we get it through like the eyes of one of his lackeys. Yeah, his character does kind of have, go through like a, a tr more traditional story, I feel like. But yeah, it's kind of, that is a good point. It is kind of a side thing. We were just seeing it through like a weird side character's eyes. Well, I feel like we are ready for spoiler categories. What do you guys think? 
Let's dive back or forwards into the future. Trillions of years in the past. We've discussed this before. What do our awake selves have to say? We we decided that story and acting discussion is up first, followed by visuals and audio. <laughs> That's fair. Starting on a high note, I'll even go ahead and say... Ew. Spoiler warning from here on out, but bring us into it, Fox. Oh, I just meant on the acting in general. That was it. The full comment. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's so good. Philip Seymour Hoffman is so good as the master. <laughs> he is amazing. Yeah. And it's such a different performance than the last movie, too, which is really awesome, too, I think. He's such an interesting guy in this. It's so weird to see him. I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen a movie with him in such like a prominent role. And I that's cool. I, I think he's great. That's what's amazing about it. I mean, because he's known for being a great supporting character. But man, he both gets to be a lead and play someone who's not constantly screaming for once. Yeah, he was, he was great in this. He's so like charismatic and charming, but has like, you never quite know what he's about either too. Yeah, it's like, you can't really tell if he buys into his own like if he's drinking his own sauce i guess or not it's kind of the vibe i got for a while um it felt like yeah i couldn't tell which was interesting he felt he was very charismatic like he seemed like an interesting dude i mean i've if i it might take me a little bit i'd probably eventually realize it was a cult but i'd probably be down to hang out with this guy for at least a little bit yeah i agree he definitely nailed the like charismatic cult leader um character like completely the way he gets um joaquin phoenix in right off the bat and was really good <laughs> drinking his like poisoned stuff <laughs> oh yeah it's like potion or whatever yeah he liked it too i think he did he loved that stuff he was always like hook me up bro yeah i really loved uh the master and um freddy's dynamic i think that's what like the chemistry between yeah Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman is so good. Like I think that's kind of what invests me a lot in this movie is their relationship and their like friendship slash the master guy's mentorship towards Joaquin Phoenix. It seems so weird because like you know he maybe he's like everybody else is kind of just drinking the the poison or whatever the the juice to fall for this cult, but it feels like he really really like wants to help Joaquin Phoenix using his like cult-like methods and yeah it feels like he kind of cares for the guy um he, he really does take him under his wing and I thought that was just a really interesting thing their characters had a very interesting dynamic um that was one of the interesting things I found as well TV because the master really treats Freddy like a kid throughout the whole movie like he's always saying bad animal bad um i don't know he's treating him like say more like a pet yeah a pet um and that was very uncomfortable to watch but i mean it was so well done yeah oh yeah he calls him naughty boy at one point <laughs> <Naughty> <laughs> yeah. Boy. yeah it was good and as much as i didn't like his character, Joaquin Phoenix, nailed what he was supposed to do, too. <laughs> it's, and it's cool. It's, it's crazy because it's such a rough start, you know? We see this guy, and he's doing such bad things. It's like, uh, 
this guy's absolutely awful. Like, <laughs> do you wanna... mean like like on the beach with the navy or like? Yeah, yeah. I was just like, ugh, this is gross. <laughs> and then somehow, you know, like it doesn't push me away. Like, if Walking Phoenix is able to still draw me in, I think with uh, even after portraying such a kind of gross bad guy. I think what was so crazy about it, I was just telling TV the other day, I don't know if I mentioned it to you guys, I recently watched this documentary that's just basically like an hour of uncut like combat footage from Afghanistan, but that opening like sequence there tracks so well with everything I saw in that documentary, like it wasn't even like over the top, if anything it was a little tame, like... <laughs> I was like, yep, this is this is everything here, on point. <laughs> Doesn't matter what time frame. <laughs> yeah, it, it does track. It makes sense. And I think part of it, it, it's interesting, right? Because he said his mom's in the um, insane asylum, right? So it's either he could have inherited some of that or his time served in World War II made him like he is, right? Like, it'd be very easy to do time in the military like that and come out of there as an alcoholic and, like, having all kinds of sec weird sex stuff and then having the nervous disorder, too. So I'm wondering if it was solely like the military or a combination of both that turned him into who he was and, like, maybe... What was he like before he went in there? But it doesn't sound like he was too great before then either. Yeah, I think I, mean, I could even just be his upbringing. Yeah, we don't know. Because his dad died or whatever too, right? Like he said pretty early on. So who knows? And yeah, he's got some weird incest stuff going on as well, it sounds like. Yeah, it's he's a very strange guy. And yeah, I don't know. It's like like you said, it, you can see why he could be the way he is, which I think helps because you can kind of empathize with the guy even if he's not a good person. You can kind of see like, oh, well, I see why he might have turned out this way. You know, it might not be entirely in his hands. Um, you know, there's other factors than just him deciding to be a bad guy. I did uh did do a bit of reading after that first scene there because like I was confused on what he was doing in the torpedo deck for a minute there. Like, I did not realize he was drinking the torpedo fuel. So, like, I did a bit of reading, and it was, like, a problem after World War II with, like, sailors that they had been drinking, like, boat fuel for months. And it was, like, a whole nother level of alcoholism, messing up a lot of stuff inside, even beyond the liver. You guys are nailing it. I agree with all this stuff. But for me, Freddie is such just a cringy dude that it was very off-putting and uncomfortable for me like this movie did such a good job of making me watch freddy do all this stuff and feel like i'm actually there with the visuals and the way the like dialogue is written it was so uncomfortable for me i was like oh watching it like it's so well done but also it i did not like the way it made me feel i think is why i felt so uncomfortable for most of this i get what you were saying with punch drunk love fox now um, oh i definitely can't fault you for this one yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah paul thomas anderson did a great job with all that stuff it feels too real for me to the point that i don't like it i mean we didn't even touch on him being involved with a high schooler which that just was like Oh my God, it's like, how much stuff can this guy be doing, you know? 
that I don't know that touched a little bit on getting a bit ridiculous, I think, but you know it it doesn't detract, I guess, from the movie, yeah, I, I think it kind of just establishes kind of his weird relationship with like women and stuff and how he like fixates on certain things and I don't know, like the the smallest amount of attention he gets from her and he's a suddenly obsessed, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, I think there's a good insight into his character, even if it isn't a good thing that he's doing. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but I mean, I guess it was like the late thirties, early forties, you know, like rock stars would be hooking up with high schoolers like legally for like the next 30 or 40 years after that, even. Although it's still weird. <laughs> and this movie makes it even weirder. <laughs> it just adds the icing on top of the uncomfortableness. I get it. He admits to himself at the end that she was too young, probably. Um, even after, you know, after getting rejected again. Oh, he just saying that. He just saying that to make himself feel better. So, you know, I'll say, since we're kind of talking about it, I felt like he was a little better by, like, the end in, like, the last, like, 15, 20 minutes, you know, like, after he has the talk with his, like, dad, that gal's mom, like, she was like, I can call her and tell you, her that you were here, and he's like, no, I ain't gonna cause trouble, it's okay, I'm still kind of weird, but no, I thought that was a big moment. Mm-hmm, I thought so, too. I thought, I sensed a little bit of a change in there, I thought, too, as well. I thought he wasn't quite as bad, I mean, I'm sure he's not a great guy and still, but... I think he was like, he's more, he's able to reflect a little bit better and kind of think about what he's done and his future and his actions and all that as well. Maybe thanks to the cult. I don't know. Maybe he did learn a tiny sliver of something from it being in there. Maybe a tiny bit because he just goes back to doing what he was doing beforehand. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's kind of up to interpretation, but I agree. I think he did feel like slightly less of a cringy dirtbag. I guess it might also be kind of just like how the things end. Maybe he's just so broken and tired. He's just too depressed to be a horn dog anymore. I don't know. Like maybe, you know, like once he realizes that there is no God, nothing to save him from himself, he's like, geez, well, now I'm just sad instead of aroused all the time. I don't know. Oh, no, he was pretty aroused at the end. That felt more like a healthy thing to me, though, than a bad thing. Yeah, that felt better. But, yeah, I don't know. And I guess that kind of goes into the whole, like, cult thing. And what I really do kind of like about this is, like, how uh, Freddy is literally, like, running into a wall with this cult, trying to, like, <laughs> the master's trying to teach this man, like, his weird cultish things. And Freddy is just not taking to it at all. He's having such a hard time. And it's <laughs> not working. <laughs> like... It, the parts of it are working where he's having to like look back and kind of like be truthful about himself at certain points and think about things. But then like whenever they try to go into like, yeah, whatever, visualize the wall, visualize the window, you know, and then like, yes, I don't even know what they're exactly what the point of that exercise is where he's walking back and forth, touching the wall, touching the window. And he's like, it's, it's an ocean. It's a, it's like, <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to get him to do, but, um, yeah, it's, I really like that dynamic. That's probably my favorite part is just watching like, the I guess it's almost like a watching a cult try to like change like an immovable object almost and it's just not <laughs> he's not he's not changing his ways he's just still stuck for the most part in his uh badness I guess oh I don't think they have it figured out yet though I mean because he tells Freddy at the beginning you know you're gonna be my guinea pig yeah <laughs> and Freddy's like point. okay <laughs> yeah 
he's he's using him to like I think prove to himself maybe that his that he's right, you know, maybe oh. something like that. Like he's like, if I can't, I've got to be able to get this guy. This the worst of the worst. If I can't indoctrinate him, then maybe like I don't know. He's just trying to prove it to himself, even though he's got all those other people and he's clearly indoctrinated his wife and his daughter i don't it's interesting like he's got he already is successful a little bit um but he gets fixed on joaquin phoenix for whatever reason that's because he likes him in his own way and he just wants to prove to himself that he can do it maybe he wants to prove to like his family too because his family tried to get him to get rid of him at one point i do think you're onto something there there's like a weird dynamic with him and his wife yeah where his wife's like you gotta do it like this like she seems to have as much power as he does in the cult i got the vibe that she kind of had maybe yeah just about as equal power and equal say in this thing like they might have been working on this together maybe a little more too yeah that that's very interesting dan i was picking up on some of that too but not not able to phrase it in the way you did exactly. So that was really good. Um, I wish the movie was from the master's perspective, though, for me, because all that stuff's interesting. I like that. I just don't like Freddy's perspective of it, which great character, lots of development. I just do not like watching him on screen. I do like that it's from Freddy's perspective because... It just because it's from Freddy's perspective, it elevates the character of the master, right? Just from it being that perspective, you know, um, and that makes him more of a leader type figure and stuff. Just like how you'd want it to be portrayed um, for this cult leader, who's basically him. him uh, talking about the guy who founded Scientology, so I do I do like that it's from that perspective just for that reason alone. That is true. That is a cool dynamic there, and it does elevate his character quite a bit. Yeah, he's always in in over him or whatever, which is very important <laughs> for a cult. <laughs> yeah, I think it also helps. Yeah, just like the whole. Is this a thing? Is this not? It makes it a little more mysterious as well, like exactly what they're trying to do. I think the movie lets on that this is just a bunch of BS. But, you know, like at first you're like, whoa, what is this? This is weird, but interesting. Um, but yeah, it turns out, yeah, it's just a cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not know anything about this movie going in. And it wasn't until the scene where he's like interrogating Freddy, um, kind of, what's he say, processing? The audition. Or auditing, auditing, sorry. That's that's what they do in Scientology. <laughs> it did that, and I was like, wait, is this a cult? Like, I didn't get it at first because I didn't know it going in. So finding that out, like, 45 minutes into the movie was kind of cool. He he obviously once wanted it to be a parallel to talking about Hubbard, or I think that's the guy's name, who started Scientology. Like, I wa I watched a video about it this where they're comparing it to Scientology and a lot of the things that happen in this happen um when it got its start like the whole boat thing and tax evasion that actually happened 
the motorcycle thing, um, though that was changed up a bit. I mean, he, they even have Philip Seymour Hoffman looks a lot like the guy from Scientology. So he clearly wanted to discuss that, but he doesn't like, I, I don't know. He, he, it, it is kind of light on it. Like you were saying, I wish they would have gone a little more heavier into it to give it more plot structure or something, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not really a one-to-one. Like, I mean, you can draw the parallels, but then you could also, I think, draw a lot of parallels to other cults as well. I don't think it's just Scientology. Well, so that... I saw that he said, yeah, that it is based on Ron L. Hubbard, but he didn't want it to be a biopic. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's not a one to one, and I, I mean, I didn't put the Scientology thing together. I think, I mean, it's kind of a just a generic cult feeling kind of thing to me. I mean, he might have based that off of it, but I, I don't think, yeah, like you said, he's, he's not trying to make this exactly like the Scientology stuff either. I, I, I think he is because the auditing, like they did in that, is a big like part of the Scientology cult. That's what they do to their members a lot of the time, and then if you fail it or whatever they take you out to their concentration camp and then they like do terrible things to you there um which they kind of hint at at the end with his daughter so i do think he he like 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 what fox said he doesn't want to make a biopic about it but he's clearly interested in covering that topic but he can't he can't do it because then the church will come after him they kind of like cover too a little bit. Um, there's that scene when he writes the second book or whatever, and they like change the wording. I wrote it down. It's like, can you recall versus can you imagine? That's kind of, I think, going over the like, is he making it up? Does he actually believe in what he's doing? Or is, is he just going with it at this point because it's making him money and giving him power and stuff like that because he's obviously failed with joaquin phoenix at that point like he can't get him to <laughs> to adopt their ways so he just keeps them around like a, a dog and then he does that to supposedly try and get more people in um but i wish they would have explored it more they like kind of touch on it and then don't really touch on it again yeah i agree i think one of that kind of leads into one of my criticisms of this that i had that i think would have made it better for me is there's too much freddy and the master time i think i wanted more time with um amy adams jesse plemons and uh rami malik characters too because they were interesting and their perspectives were cool as well like when is jesse plemons is he his son is that yeah. who he is okay yeah like there's a whole thing there that never gets explored yeah there was a point where he was like talking to freddie he's like don't you realize he's making this stuff up and Freddie got really mad. Like, they could have definitely explored a lot more with those characters, I think. And that would have made it better for me. Yeah, because, like, um, when they're all sitting at the table later on, too, his name's Val, the character's name. Val's not there. The rest of the family's there and Freddie. So, at some point, like, he exits the cult in the movie 
and he's just not around anymore. And then at the very end, he's like helping run their cult school. So it's like, there's a whole thing that happened there that we don't even get to see, which I think would have been interesting. Yeah. I kind of like these like little hints at stuff though. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's a lot going on. This movie is pretty long already. I don't know what they would, yeah, add or detract, but yeah, I, I kind of like like the hints, like we were saying earlier about the the cult, and it's kind of like Freddy's in the cult, but he doesn't really know how it works either, and that's kind of why we don't really understand exactly what's going on with it. I kind of like that there's all these hints you can kind of fill in the blanks and figure it out for yourself if you want. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, there's like a lot that happens for the cult whenever Freddy's not there. Like even towards the end, when the cults moved to the UK and. Freddy gets a call from the master being like, Freddy, I need you. You got to get to the UK. Even in whatever that is, a span of months or years that it takes Freddy to get to the UK, something major changes. And even Freddy's like, what the heck? Well, I don't know if that phone call was real. That's the thing. Oh, you think it was a fake phone call? Yeah, well, Fre Freddy says that it was his dream. Yeah, he said, I had a dream that you called me. and Oh, that's fair. Good point. Wanted me to come. And because, like, yeah, Freddy's like, how do you, did you find me? How did you know I was in this movie theater? Um, and he's like asleep when he gets the phone call. I, I think I think that was might have been a dream. That's fair. I guess I was like, <laughs> Freddy's just, it's Scientology. They can find anybody. But yeah, you're probably right. That makes more I, sense. <laughs> I was right there with you, Fox. It works on both both levels i think i think the the master and like that whole crew were still mad at him for like running off with a motorcycle and that's why they were kind of angry at him for coming back finding him in england i think they would have been fine with him coming back if he was ready to like join them you know but then amy adams was like you're why'd you even come back you're obviously you're not going to do anything different so just leave well, it's interesting that you say it like that, because I think that's like the big ambiguous scene for the movie is because I felt like Freddy was better by then. And the cult was like, no, you're sick. You got to come back and get help from us. And in Freddy's mind, he's like, I know this is all BS now because I'm better. And these guys like weren't helping me get better. They were making me be the way I was. And they like wanted me weak and vulnerable all the time. And like he and Dodd can't reconcile that. And that's why they got a split. Yeah, I thought he he was in a better headspace as well, too. Because I think old Freddy would have just stayed anyways and done the thing. But in this, it seems to me like he does his own thing at the end and decides not to. But like, yeah, my wife felt like you, Dan. So like, it's... Well, I, I, I figured, because she said he doesn't look very good, that he just kept on like with his, his drinking problem and sex problem and stuff like that, right? I figured he just left to keep doing that again, you know, and then he had his like, I don't know, his hallucination of all that happening. Maybe he wanted to go back and be part of it because he felt some connection there, but then they didn't want him because he, <laughs> well, obviously he's not going to change or whatever. That's how I took it anyways. And like, just all his addiction problems were draining his health away. Oh, yeah. That's like exactly how my wife felt. Like, I thought, like, I agree he looked skinnier, but I thought he looked more put together, less haggard and more like bathed and hair kempt and nicer clothes. Like, it's definitely hard to say. I feel like we all took it differently now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very ambiguous. Yeah, because we don't even know for sure 
because they like leave on that hanging because uh, the master kind of gives them the choice. You can either stay with us or you can leave and we're never going to be friends again or whatever, that kind of thing. Um, and then it cuts and yeah, he's at a bar and he hooks up with a woman there and <laughs> he starts quoting what the master used to tell him and that stuff. But so we don't even know. He, he He's still in uh, England. So, I mean, you could also take it that he's stayed and now he's recruiting people. I don't know. I, I didn't take it that way, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of ways you could take this. I guess I thought he like picked up on like the, the charisma and mind tricks of the cult. And he was kind of using that <laughs> to pick up women. Yeah. That's what I thought. It, it is interesting. And like, I want to touch back on his hallucination of the phone call. Right. Um, because I'm not sure how much of this movie actually happened and what was like him making things up too, you know? Because there's that one scene where, because he wants to get with Rami, with Rami Malik's um, wife, the master's daughter, obviously. Um, and then he has like that fantasy of her coming over and like touching his leg and his crotch and stuff during one of the master's teachings or something like that right and i'm pretty sure that was something in his mind but they don't like change it or anything there's no no real giveaway besides it being really weird oh you know now that you say that there's a, another weird scene in here where um the master's like dancing around and then it cuts and all the women are naked and they're dancing with him. And I thought that was really weird, but I was like, okay, so this is just, this definitely is just like a crazy cult. It's not like a philosophy or anything, <laughs> but we got, we cut to uh Joaquin Phoenix's character and he's kind of like, was, I think we cut to him and then we cut back and it's like them all naked. So that could just be from his perspective too. Just the way he sees like women and stuff like that. That's what I thought that was. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I took it too. So I guess I thought when the daughter touched his leg, that was one of their many schemes to try and get rid of Freddy. Because then later at the dinner table, the daughter's like, he wants me. He wants to be with me. And I thought like her and Remy Malik might have had a plan to like, you know, have her seduce him and then be like, no, he forced himself on her. Gotcha. Gotcha. This does throw a lot into question, though, how much of it might be hallucinations or just like imagination. Well, we know he's drinking weird potions he concocts. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that can't be helping. It's it's weird. The perspective that this story is told is in a very like weird way compared to what I would expect usually. It's so zoned in on Freddie and Philip Seymour Hoffman's The Master's relationship while also telling it like a cult story in the background, like a cult founding story or something. It's just a very strange perspective, and I don't. I think for me, I just wasn't buying that perspective, and it, it was too weird. And so I get what you're saying, Dan. They hint at all these things, but it's like focused on what you were saying, TV, telling the relationship between um, Freddie and the Master. I do feel like it's the story. I mean, to me, it was the story of a bromance, ultimately. Like, um, you know, I used to get kind of rowdy myself back in the day. <laughs> Some folks uh, say from time what? to time. <laughs> what do and you that, mean? Uh, <laughs> that scene where Philip Enlighten us on your past lives, Fox. So, 
Yeah, some of you guys might even be familiar with this sort of thing. Um, <laughs> that scene where Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, we were soldiers together in a past life, you know, in the Fr French military, sending out pigeons together with the mail service, <laughs> and only two of our 70 balloons ever got lost. Like, I know that if I was trashed back in the day, and one of my bros was like, we were soldiers together. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's so spot on. <laughs> Fox, I think, in fact, did tell me something exactly like that at one point. Not like we were soldiers, but we were like Viking warriors. And it's possible Valhalla. that may have happened yeah, once. I remember this. <laughs> I, I did think it was a very relatable, like, bromance kind of story like just two dudes getting trashed because <laughs> it starts with him getting trashed on his like weird jungle juice punch and he doesn't even remember the first night they met on the boat he literally wakes up and is like what and philip seymour hoffman's like bro you gotta stick around now and he keeps being like remember where we met and we don't even know what they were doing when they met <laughs> they were just on a boat that's true yeah Man, Fox, I gotta say, I'm looking at this in a whole new light. Yeah, <laughs> Freddy is just the guy that the master like gets trashed and hangs out with. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's why it was easier for me overall is <laughs> than the last one. So, what'd you guys think of like the, the visuals? What'd you guys think of that? It's good. I don't think it was as good as Punch Drunk Love, but um. It was still really good. Like, all the technical stuff was great, as usual. But I, I think Punch Drunk Love was better. They both look good, yeah. I, and they're like, I, what surprised me is it feels like they're like very different stylistically, too. Like, it's not one, they're, they're so different that it's like even, they're just going for such a totally different vibe that, yeah, I like Punch Drunk Love better. But I, I think it nails what it's trying to go for here as well, with just kind of like a more gray and, in your face yeah lots yeah. of close-ups in this one for sure <laughs> i agree like the clarity of this movie looked amazing like there weren't a ton of heavy color filters that i could tell and the use of light and shadow throughout the whole movie was on point i thought it did a perfect job i think of capturing the time period in it that it was in as well with the like set design the like wardrobe and, and and just the visual aesthetic of this movie captured it perfectly i was digging that so much that was really good and i liked when they had the old-timey music to go with it too that fit really well i thought there's a lot of long takes in this too i thought especially at the beginning yeah that's really cool i love the long takes it's always cool what about the the music and the, the anything about like the sound you guys want to talk about? I like the old timey music, just like Punch Drunk Love, and the rest of it wasn't a huge fan. Of. <laughs> I did feel like it was like weirdly like similar to the music in Punch Drunk Love sometimes, but I felt like the movie had a different vibe overall, and some of the tracks were kind of weird picks, kind of like that circusy tone almost. I don't remember it too much, so I guess it was okay. Kind of did what it needed to do. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I remember a lot of, yeah, it was kind of similar. I think Punch Drunk Love was trying to kind of emulate like a sweeping old school romance 50s probably era, you know, movie. And this is set in that time period, so I think they were trying to emulate that as well. So there was a weird crossover there, but I liked it. Yeah, I, 
I like that. I like kind of like the old school, like love song, pop song things they were using every once in a while too. Those are always fun. Oh yeah. The license tracks were killer picks in this one. Fit well with Joaquin Phoenix's character too. Like, it was so weird. The song was so nice. And then I was listening to the lyrics and was like, oh, okay. <laughs> About the get me behind me Satan one. <laughs> I do think maybe watching Punch Drunk Love before this one, I just felt like the audio design was so integral to that movie overall that I was like a little disappointed that maybe it wasn't up to that standard in this one. Like, I, I don't know if it needed to be or if they intended it to be in terms of plot, but I just felt like it wasn't as impactful as it was in the last one. Yeah, I mean, I have no complaint. I don't think anything was bad. I think everything was good, which for audio, I feel like that's the most important thing usually is like, as long as nothing like stands out as particularly <laughs> bad, then you did a good job. Just <laughs> don't be bad. No, yeah, I think you're well, right. There's people that that's like what people always say in like video classes. Well, that's what I was told of video classes, and maybe I'm biased because I do more audio stuff. But uh, they're always like, yeah, make sure you get the audio right because you know you can have a kind of a grungy video look and nobody bats an eye. But as soon as they have the mics sound horrible and you're like distorted and peaked everybody's going to notice and say it's like the worst thing ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think it was just the expectation coming off of Punch Drunk Love that I kind of felt like that. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, too, it's not as integral to this one. It's, it's mainly just getting up in the two main leads' faces and having them talk to each other. Well, are we ready for our overall presentations? I think I'm ready. Mm-hmm. It's gotta end somewhere. Yep, yep. But where did it begin? You know, I've been searching my past lives, trying to figure out, <laughs> oh, where did these categories come from? How did we decide this? What are we doing this for? And I was looking back in time and just looking at these different moments, and I found, first, the categories that we always pick. Burn, pass, watch it, or buy it was decided we were all submarine men in the Great War. We were the best at what we do, uh, and we dove deep and well. But then I kept looking, and I found something else. The time we all first met, and you know, when we first decided to do a recording in a, an old 30s radio show, and you know who went first that time? It was Mike. And so I think in honor of that, in honor of our long friendship of trillions of years, um, we should have Mike go first. Oh, yeah. Why change it now? Yeah. What's his 30s DJ name? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, 30s DJ name? Yeah, what, what is yeah, it? Yeah, come on, TV. Oh, it was, it was, um, it was, mm, <laughs> mostly Mike. <laughs> it's mostly Mike today. Yeah, with a little yep. bit of TV on the side. Yeah, <laughs> that actually fits. All right, <laughs> we can run with it. I'll go first out of out of honor of mostly Mike. Yes, and don't you dare question my <laughs> stories. Dang it! What is your point asking me these kinds of questions? <laughs> it's all true. Dang it! <laughs> Everything I say is true. You've already made up your mind, then you can leave. I'll go here. Um, the Master. This is a, a weird movie. Um, I like the background story it tells, the visual aesthetics, and the acting. That's all 
top notch. That's perfect. Uh, the main problem for me is that they did too good of a job making Freddy a very kind of creepy, cringy, and unlikable dude that I didn't enjoy him, like, spending two of my hours with him. Um, that said, I mean, the performance is top notch, um, but, you know, I got to put my personal say on this. Um, it's too uncomfortable for me. So I got to say, if you see the master on the street, you know, know that he's going to look good. His performance is great. But Mike's just going to tell you to pass on the master. Like, just like a real cold. Nice. Wow. Yeah, you you got to pass on that one. Some layers to that review. Wow. I liked it. Well, yeah, as you guys probably got from this review, I liked this one quite a bit. It was a lot easier for me to watch from the last one for some reason. I think, uh, you know, I think it kind of comes back to, A, I felt like it was the story of bromance and uh, that bromance budding. But I think just that Freddy had someone he could be friends with and everyone in his life wasn't a total weirdo to him all the time. Just made it better for me on the whole. But it's kind of a different movie, too. You know, Dan brought up that it's uh, pretty similar to There Will Be Blood in a lot of regards. And I think that also is what makes me like it. The story of this charismatic man coming to power, although through the eyes of a lackey. I wasn't necessarily impressed with that lackey being Joaquin Phoenix. I just feel like I've seen him do this time and time again. He's really good at being a weird dude. He really gets into it. But I, I think there's something to be said for not going hard every time, for having that quiet crazy this is your chance, though, to see Philip Seymour Hoffman in a lead role. He's a master of not just a cult, but of acting, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> uh, so it's really great to see him get a lot more screen time that's not as like a five-minute side character or something. I'm probably going to give it a bye, I think. You know, I wrestled with this one a lot, but I, I kind of want to see it again. I feel like there's more to pick up on that I kind of missed. Obviously, you guys have given me some more things to think about. Uh, so, yeah, this one was masterfully done, and it's a buy from Fox. <laughs> they got him, boys. They got him. Oh, they got me. Hooked. I've been indoctrinated <laughs> into the cult been, of Anderson. <laughs> He's been pacing back and forth over and over <laughs> until he found his true self, and there it was. Um, I, yeah, I enjoyed this for the most part. It's interesting because there's like the class, it's like a weird case of, you know, the, there's some movies like this where it's like the unlikable guys, your main focus. And sometimes that works for me. Sometimes it doesn't. And this time I think it does work because, uh, just, I think it's mostly thanks to Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, he's such a great actor. He does such a good job. Um, it's very like, it, like I said, it's not that I like, like the guy, but I can kind of empathize with where he comes from i can kind of i understand him and understand why he does some things he does uh even if i don't like what he does and i think that makes for a pretty good character and yeah his dynamic with Phil, Phil, the master Phil, philip seymour hoffman his name's hard to say sometimes uh but yeah i think that dynamic is like the main draw for this movie because it's just really interesting watching joaquin phoenix like run into a wall with this cult he wants to be included but he just can't change the way they want him to um and it's i think that's really interesting it is kind of a hangout movie so there's not a strong plot which i, I didn't mind for the most part i kind of just appreciated it being kind of a character study uh but i it, it, it did kind of like 
I don't know. I, I wouldn't have minded a little bit more of a stronger plot either. So there's that. Um, I'm going to give it a watch it. I didn't like it quite as much as Punch Drunk Love, but I still think this is a really cool movie. It's really interesting. There's a lot of layers, a lot of stuff you can kind of like pick apart and think about and try to figure out for yourself. And I think, yeah, there is some rewatchability to it because you can kind of look at things from different perspectives and find new stuff to, to watch, I feel like. So, yeah, I'll give it a watch it. Similar to Punch Drunk Love, um, I loved all the technical stuff in this. All the acting is superb. Very nice seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman in a lead role. It's just that story I have a problem with. Like The writing is great and the characters are great and well-developed. But the story just, yeah, it doesn't do much for me. Like Nothing really happens with the cult until the very end. But then, I mean... You don't really see how they get to that point. It just happens. And then like nothing happens really with Freddy. And I, I have a problem with that because it just makes the movie feel like it's meandering around and not doing too much. Um, I wish they would have explored one of these things that we were we had talked about earlier in the review. Maybe the change their dynamics some or give them... I don't know, something else to do than just trying to indoctrinate them, but it not working, you know? As that didn't do it for me. I think There Will Be Blood does this type of thing much better than this movie did, for sure, in pretty much all the ways, except maybe the acting, um, which the acting's superb in that one, too, so you can't fault that for anything. It's just, yeah, that story's what gets me on this. Um if the rest of the movie wasn't so dang good, I would give it a pass, but I think I'm going to give it a watch it um, just because all those other elements are so dang good. Um, and you'll want to watch this to see Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix do their thing for sure. Nice. Another kind of a mixed one. We got, but kind of ended in the same place as last time, but we changed places a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty cool to be honest. Yeah, this guy knows how to make movies. That's what I'm gonna say. Like his movies, technically, and the like, the performances he gets out of his actors is amazing. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely see why he's a big deal now. Yeah, so far, two very very good movies, or solid movies at least. Very interesting movies at the very least. Yeah, interesting for sure. Yeah, we've got. <laughs> A lot of discussion out of both of yeah. these. <laughs> so, yeah, speaking of, we, we got another movie we got to pick out of Paul's uh, arsenal he's got here as director. Well, you know, I've been uh, I've been looking at what Paul has in the old arsenal in his cabinet of interesting things. And I think the title, Inherent Vice, has piqued my curiosity. Nice. So that's what I'm going to go with. Curious, uh, you know, at this point, having seen these two, plus uh, an older one from him uh, on my own back in the day. Yeah, I'm curious. I've only heard the name. I didn't really know very little about this, so I'll be excited to see it. So far, so good. So hopefully he can keep the streak going for me. Who knows? Well, we flip-flop again next week. We'll find out. <laughs> that's what I want to know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Whose turn will it be to pass this time? Hmm, yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> but 
In the meantime, if any of you listeners out there want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Run the Real, or you can email us at runtherealpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about uh, the master. Is it masterful? Is it mediocre? Is it just too uncomfortable to bear? I want to know what you feel, what you like, what you don't like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, be sure to get in contact with us. Are you the master? Oh, yeah. If you've got any, like, cool, you know, if you got some, like, scientific theories that, you know, we're always learning new things about science. If there's some sort of, like, revelation you have about, like, past lives and our memories and our spirits, yeah, let us know. I'm like, We're always curious. Maybe in your past life you recommended something to run the reel. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe you will in the future, huh? Oh, your mm. future self. But, yeah, you got to tune in next week to find out. So be sure to hit us <laughs> yeah. up. But... Anyways, yeah, thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. This is Run The Real, signing off. (laughs) 